the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Do you have a time to pray that nothing interrupts? Do you have a place to pray? Do you pour your heart out to God alone? Do you have a prayer list? Five names, six names, people you've written down on your list, and you're praying for them. You're believing God for them. Do you have somebody you're praying with, prayer partners? That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365. Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew 26, verse 39. Matthew 26, verse 39. He went a little farther. This is Jesus. He has his time to pray. This is Jesus. He has his place to pray. Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little farther. He fell on his face and prayed, thinking. He fell on his face and prayed what? Prayed what? Saying, verse 42. And he went again a second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 44. So he left them, went again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Jesus had his time to pray. Jesus had his place to pray. And Jesus prayed out loud, pouring his heart out to the Father. Let's look at Luke 11, verse 1. Why did the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray in the Lord's Prayer? Why? Because they came to Jesus at his prayer time, they found Jesus in his prayer place, and they heard him praying out loud, and these disciples never had heard anybody pray like that. Jesus wasn't saying a prayer. These were not the formal ritualistic prayers of the Pharisees. Jesus was talking to God. Jesus was communicating with the Father. Luke 11. Verse 1, and it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, there's his prayer place, this is his prayer time, when he ceased. How did they know he ceased? Because he stopped praying verbally. And so they never heard anybody pray like that before. They were overhearing his prayers. And they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Jesus prayed out loud. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. You're looking there at the seventh verse. Here it is again. When you study Jesus' prayer life, not only did he have a time to pray, not only did he have a place to pray, but Jesus was on his knees out loud pouring his soul out to God in intimate communion with the Father. Here you go, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with what? strong or vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Why is it valuable to pray out loud? Has your mind ever wandered when you prayed? 
You get on your knees, you begin to pray, dear Lord, and you're praying, say, mentally in your mind, and you begin to think, wait a minute, what time do I have to pick up the kids at school? I went grocery shopping today and I forgot to get this. What was the score of that sports game? Wait a minute, what do I have to do at work? You're on your knees praying, right? And your mind begins to do what? Anybody's mind ever wandered in prayer here? Any honest people here? Yeah, sure. But what happens? Your mind wanders, and as it does, you go on two or three minutes in prayer. You started praying, but four minutes later, your mind's all over the place. And you say, wait a minute, hold it. I'm supposed to be praying here, right? But when you pray aloud, the brain is engaged to form the words that come out of your mouth. And when you stop verbally talking, you recognize, say, hey, wait a minute. My mind just began to wander and you bring it back much more quickly. Jesus had a time to pray. Jesus had a place to pray. Jesus prayed aloud. So he says, pastor, pastor, I don't want to pray aloud. Why not? Because the devil will hear my prayers and he will know exactly what I'm thinking and praying about and he will be able to develop a strategy against me. So because the devil can't read my thoughts, but he can hear what I say, I don't want to pray out loud. Anybody think that way? Now I have a question to ask you. Is the devil omnipresent? Well, there are some people not sure. Is the devil omnipresent? No, he's not. Who's only omnipresent? God. Is the devil omniscient? That means does he know everything? No, he doesn't. So how can the devil hear your prayers then and know what you're praying if he's not omnipresent? Only by sending the evil angels, right? But when you pray, God shuts you in with a circle of good angels who beat back the forces of hell. The last place that the devil wants to be is where a saint is praying, a believer is praying. Now let me show you that. Do not take my word for it. Take the word of divine inspiration. Here it is. At the sound of earnest prayer, Satan's whole host trembles and flees. Say it together with me, please. At the sound, together, at the sound of earnest prayer, Satan's host trembles and flees. One more time. At the sound of earnest prayer, Satan's host trembles and flees. First volume of the Testimonies, page 346. When you pray, when your prayers are sent to God, Satan's whole host trembles because good angels wing their way from worlds afar to beat back the forces of hell. They shut you in. A place to pray, a time to pray. Praying out loud to seek God. Fourth thing about Jesus' prayer life. Here it is, fourth thing about Jesus' prayer life. Jesus prayed for his friends by name. Jesus prayed for people by name, Luke chapter 23. Jesus' prayer life was not so vague and general that you couldn't know if it was answered or not answered. Luke chapter 22. Here we go, Luke chapter 22. Some people pray so general prayers that they could never know whether God answered them or not. 
Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Jesus said to Simon, Satan has asked for you, but I have prayed for you. Jesus is saying that about you today. There may be temptations, there may be challenges, there may be difficulties, but Jesus in the sanctuary in heaven is praying for you. You are on his lips, you are on his heart, you are in his mind. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus prayed for Peter by name. Now there's a few things in the text we need to see. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. When Satan asked for Peter, who was Satan asking for Peter? Who was Satan asking for Peter? Well, some are going to say God and some are going to say Jesus. I want you to think this through. Why would Satan ask God to give him Peter? Would God even consider giving the soul of Peter, giving the life of Peter to Satan? Would he do that? No. Would Satan ask Jesus to give him Peter? Why would he do that? I mean, why would Jesus even consider that? I'm going to make a suggestion for you. Who is Satan asking? He's asking the evil angels. He is saying, you go get that man. That man has great possibilities for the kingdom of God. You go get that one. I want Peter. I want him to fall. If we can get Peter to fall, we have created a great crisis. Satan says to his evil angels, go get that young man. Go get that young woman. Satan studies our genetic backgrounds. He knows the genetic weaknesses that are embedded in every nerve and tissue of the bodies. Satan knows our inclinations toward evil. Satan knows our tendencies toward evil. Satan knows where we are most likely to fall. If it's criticism, he will give you reason to criticize. He will dangle some juicy tidbit before your face. If it is lust, he knows how to parade certain images before your mind. If it's overeating and indulgence, Satan studies A, our genetic background. B, Satan studies where we've fallen in the past and we're most weak. And Satan says to his evil angels, go get that man, go get that woman, go get their son, go get their daughter. And Jesus says to you and me, in your time of prayer, in your place of prayer, when you're praying out loud, as you are praying for your son, as you're praying for your daughter, as you're praying for your neighbor, as you're praying for your husband, as you're praying for your wife, I will send a retinue of angels as you pray for them by name. As we are on our knees praying, just like Jesus prayed for Peter, and although Peter fell, he was supernaturally empowered by God. He came and knelt in forgiveness before God and repentance before Jesus. And Peter was supernaturally endowed with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and 3,000, 3,000 were led to Christ. Prayer is powerful. Jesus prayed for Peter. Are you praying for your son? Are you praying for your daughter? Are you praying for your husband? Are you praying for your neighbors? Great Controversy, page 525. God will grant an answer to the prayer of faith. That which he would not do, did we not thus pray? I love it. God will grant an answer to the prayer of faith. That which he would not do if we did not thus pray. There are many texts in the Bible that tell us 
that we ought to pray. But there are a few that tell us what happens when we pray. Here's one. Take your Bible, please. 1 John chapter 5. What happens when I kneel down? What happens when I pray for my son or daughter? What happens when I pray for a husband or wife? What happens when I pray for a neighbor that doesn't know Christ? What does God do? How does prayer work? We may not understand everything about it, but this is a marvelous text. 1 John chapter 5. Here it is. 1 John chapter 5. And we're looking there. Verse 14 and onward. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. Where is our confidence when we pray? Is it in ourselves? Is it in our prayers? This is the confidence we have where, everybody? In him. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Is it his will to save your neighbor? Is it his will to save your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter? Certainly. will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com, or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Is it his will to save your neighbor? Is it his will to save your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter? Certainly. He will work powerfully in their lives. Now, certainly they have freedom of choice. Certainly they can reject it. But it will be harder for them to reject than to accept if we pray. You see, if we pray... Rejecting the gospel becomes difficult because the Holy Spirit's working in their heart. The Holy Spirit's bringing them conviction. Now notice, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, what is the sin that leads to death? The unpardonable sin. So here we see somebody. He hasn't rejected the Holy Spirit in their life. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin that does not lead to death, he will ask. Who is the he that's doing the asking? The intercessor. He will ask. And he, who is that he? God, will give him, who is the him, the intercessor, life for those who commit sin not leading to death. This is wonderful. On our knees we're praying for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Just like Jesus prayed for Peter by name, we're praying for somebody in temptation. We're praying for somebody who's in a struggle between life and death. And as we pray... The river of water of life from the throne of God flows through us to touch their lives in miraculous ways. We become channels, conduits for the Holy Spirit to touch that man, that woman, that son or that daughter. Here is one of the most marvelous statements ever written by the pen of inspiration, God's messenger for this last hour. Listen to it. Ministering angels are waiting about the throne. Where are the angels? Where are they? About the throne. To instantly obey the mandate of Jesus Christ in answer to every prayer offered in living faith. Second selected message is 377. Ministering angels around the throne. Waiting, waiting to answer 
the mandate of Christ, the command of Christ, as prayers ascend to heaven. Here is some godly father, some godly mother. They're on their knees. They're praying for a daughter, a son who's up there in Chicago. And that son or daughter is about ready to make a decision that will take them further from Christ. And that mom is in her bedroom. She's kneeling down by that chair at her prayer time that evening. And she's praying, Lord, bless my daughter Alice. Lord, bless Judy. And as she prays, her prayers ascend to heaven. And the angels gather around the throne and they say, Jesus, can I go? Jesus, can I go? Jesus, can I go? And Jesus looks at an angel. And he says, you go. And that angel wings his way from the throne of God and beats back the angels of hell, and that young woman makes a right decision. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus had a time to pray. Jesus had a place to pray. Jesus prayed aloud. Jesus prayed for his friends by name. And you are on his heart tonight. You're on his mind tonight. There's one more thing about Jesus' prayer. Take your Bible and go back to the Gospel of Luke, the ninth chapter. Jesus often prayed with others. There's power in praying alone, but there's power in getting another man, another woman. There's power in little prayer bands as they form together. Luke, the ninth chapter, 28th verse. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Three men meeting to pray. Three women who form a prayer band. Oh, to come into an Adventist church on Sabbath morning and look over that congregation at 8.30 and see 15 prayer bands scattered throughout the church praying for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that Sabbath morning. Oh, to come to an Adventist church on a Wednesday night And see prayer bands scattered throughout the sanctuary praying for that city that there'll be a breakthrough for the kingdom of God. Oh, to come to a conference office. Come to the general conference division and see prayer bands praying for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's something that happens when people unite in prayer. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew, the 18th chapter. And look there at Matthew, chapter 18. Verse... 18 and 19. Matthew 18, verse 18 and 19. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How do we bind up heaven? How do we loose heaven? Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on anything concerning anything that they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. Wherefore, two or three are gathered together in my name. That doesn't mean that the church is empty and only two or three people come, so the preacher gets up and says, ow, the Bible says when two or three are gathered, he's there. I'm sure he's there, but that's not the primary meaning of the text. The primary meaning of this text is a prayer band where two or three people get together and in the unity of their lives, heart beats with heart, mind beats with mind, and they get together to pray. Women are having a prayer group at their house on a Thursday afternoon, two, three, four, five women praying. Men meeting for a prayer breakfast in the morning before they go to work and eating a little bit, sharing the word of God and getting on their knees and praying. Again, I say to you that if two of three agree on earth, anything they'll ask, it'll be done for them of my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. Do you have a time to pray that nothing interrupts? Do you have a place to pray 
Do you pour your heart out to God alone? Do you have a prayer list? Five names, six names, people you've written down on your list and you're praying for them. You're believing God for them. Do you have somebody you're praying with, prayer partners? A few years ago, there was a very significant pastor's meeting in Boston, Massachusetts. It was not a meeting of Seventh-day Adventist pastors. These pastors were evangelical pastors, and they were coming from all over the United States, three, four hundred pastors. One of the pastors from Chicago was on an American Airlines flight, and he was sitting on the aisle. And as he was sitting on the aisle, there was nobody in the middle seat, and there was a man sitting at the window seat, and the plane took off, and this man, pastor, going to the pastor's meeting, sitting on the aisle, looked across, and he saw the man at the window praying. And he thought to himself, great, I've got a Christian seatmate, but I don't want to intimidate him too much and tell him I'm a pastor. So I'm so thankful that I have somebody that's a Christian. So he looked over, the man prayed for a while, and he prayed and he prayed, and the pastor looked over and he said, you must be a Christian, I saw you praying, and I'm a Christian too. And the man looked up with a very scowly looking face and he said, what are you talking about? I'm not a Christian. Are you so arrogant you only think Christians pray? The pastor did not quite know what to say, and sometimes, you know, you put your foot in your mouth, you kind of say the wrong thing. So the pastor looked at him, he said, well, if you're not a Christian, who are you and what are you praying about? And the man said, I'm a Satanist. I'm a Satanist. And I've been praying. And I'll tell you what I'm praying about. You may not be aware of this, but there's a pastor's meeting in Boston. And the pastor said his heart began to beat, the hair on his back was next to it up, and he said, there's a pastor's meeting in Boston. And I am meeting with a group of Satanists. Because we believe that Christianity is a relic of the Dark Ages. And when you look at the Crusades and all the brutal persecution, he said Christianity hasn't done anything good for the world, which is a total lie, of course. But he said, I am meeting with a group of Satanists, and we're going to pray that disunity will come into that pastor's meeting. We're going to pray that divorce will take place among those pastors. We're going to pray that their kids will be lost. And I'm meeting with three to 400 Satanists. If you are not praying for your pastor, the Satanist may be a praying against your pastor. If you're not praying for your city, the Satanist may be praying against it. I was going to Melbourne, Australia to hold an evangelistic meeting. I met with a group of Adventist pastors and I told them this story. At the end of my series on prayer, in which I urged Adventists to be praying and seeking God, at the end of that, the coordinator of my evangelistic meetings, an Adventist pastor, stood up and he said, I have to speak to all these pastors. He said, my wife was on a train the other day here in Melbourne, Australia. It was noon. She looked, saw somebody praying. And she said, oh, you must be a Christian. She said, the lady looked up and said, I'm not a Christian at all. At 12 o'clock, every day in Melbourne, the Satanist covenant to meet together to pray that Satan will have victory in this city. My brother, my sister, do you know Jesus Christ? Are you on your knees praying every single day? Maybe you've turned into this broadcast and you're looking for something deeper in your own spiritual life. Maybe you have had a superficial Christian experience. Maybe you've been apathetic. God is speaking to you. He's calling you to set aside a time to pray. He's calling you to set aside a place to pray. He's calling you to pour your heart out to God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
They are spiritual. There is a battle, a battle between Christ and Satan, a battle between good and evil. We cannot win that battle without the divine power of the living God filling our lives. Will you commit your life right now to earnest intercession? Will you say, Jesus, I don't want the superficial. I don't want an external Christian experience. I want something deep. And each day I'll meet you at the time of prayer. Each day I'll meet you at the place of prayer. Will you bow your heads with me just now? Oh, my Father, we've heard the call of the Spirit tonight. We thank you that we can open our hearts to you. We thank you that the God of the universe wants to communicate with us through prayer. We thank you that the sovereign, almighty God imparts his power through us by means of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, we're weak, but you're strong. We're ignorant, but you're all wise. We're frail, but you're almighty. Come and lead us to a deep spiritual experience with you. We pray thee in Christ's name. Amen. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.